think uh, good to sing songs occasionally like that that are just intended to be us praying uh, before God, acknowledging uh, that maybe we walked in here today and our mind uh, wasn't here, our heart wasn't here, and but we're, we're, we're opening up the very Word of God, and so we want our minds and hearts to be here. So that was, that was good for me uh, to, to do that. Uh, we had the, the privilege yesterday of doing uh, Terry's mom's funeral, and uh, part of what happens, uh, that was, it was a, a great opportunity to remember her life and, and point people to the hope that we have in Jesus uh, in that. Uh, one thing that happens when I do a funeral or something on a Saturday, I kind of get up and it feels like it's Sunday, and then I got up today and it's still Sunday. Uh, and so, so it was the case for me that I needed to be praying today. God, would you, would you speak uh, and would you work because, because I'm not totally here yet. Uh, and so, so trusting that God will do that. You know, in our Free Church 101 class today, um, we, uh, part of what we looked at today was the history of this local church. Where did it come from? And, and I just need to acknowledge, because uh, everybody in that class has been here uh, not a super long period of time, uh, but I am grateful for people that have been a part of this church, remained committed to this church for a long period of time. Uh, pastors have come and gone. Uh, many people have come and gone. There have been seasons of of great growth and seasons of decline, seasons that were really fun and some that were not, right? So, so that's just the life of the church, and I'm so grateful for many of you who have remained committed to the body over that period of time. And one of the things that I got to share with the Free Church 101 class, or maybe I forgot to, I can't remember, uh, but what I intended to share with the Free Church 101 class this morning was one thing that, that has been consistent through all of the changes over the years, is that this church has been a church of people who have remained committed to the Word of God as our foundation. Uh, and I'm really grateful for that. There have been lots of changes in our culture, lots of changes in church leadership and all of that stuff, but this church has kind of gained a reputation as being Bible people, and I'm, that's a good reputation to have. I'm grateful for that. We just prayed that God would speak to us, and we know that God speaks to us, speaks to us as we open the Bible. It is the very Word of God, and today we're going to continue in the book of Acts on Paul's second missionary journey. He's going to make major stops in two cities in the passage that we're going to look at today, and here's what we're going to see. God establishes and builds up His church. That's what we just sing. Speak, O Lord, till your church is built and the earth is filled with your glory. We believe that God establishes and builds up His church as the Bible is taught and received and examined and believe. That's what we're going to see, I think, in the passage today. And so, if you're able to, would you stand? And before I pray and read the Bible, we're going to today, if you believe this, if you don't believe it, then don't say it. But if you do, we're going to confess together uh, what we say we believe as a church. This is the second article of our statement of faith. Uh, and so it's what we believe as a church about the Bible. If this is what you believe, let's kind of draw our voices together, not only in song, but in confessing what we believe about the Word of God. So let's read together. We believe that God has spoken in the Scriptures, both Old and New Testaments, through the words of human authors. As the verbally inspired Word of God, the Bible is without error in the original writings, 
the complete revelation of His will for salvation and the ultimate authority by which every realm of human knowledge and endeavor should be judged. Therefore, it is to be believed in all that it teaches, obeyed in all that it requires, and trusted in all that it promises. Let's pray. Father, thank You um, for that summary of what Your Word says about Your Word and what we've come to believe. Uh, And so, God, thank You that we now can open up your word together as, as a church family, and I pray uh, that your Holy Spirit would work in such a way that your church is built uh, for your glory. So work now for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to read today Acts 17, and I'll read all of what we're going to look at today, verses 1 through 15. Here is God's word. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. But the Jews were jealous, and taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob, set the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also, and Jason has received them, and they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. And the people in the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things, and when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea, and when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now, these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them therefore believed, and with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea also, they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. Then the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way to the sea, but Silas and Timothy remained there. Those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens, and after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they departed. You can be seated. Well, in your, uh, in your bulletin again, uh, Sermon Notes Life Group Guide, hope that's useful for you in some way, uh, and see kind of just two main points today. The first seeing what happened in Thessalonica, and then seeing what happened in Berea, and some application to go with each of those as well. So, you get just to give you kind of a lay of the land of what's happening, in Paul's first missionary journey, he had gone up from Jerusalem and into what is modern-day Turkey, and now he's made his way over into modern-day Greece. Last week, he was in the city of, well, not last week, uh, but when we looked at the passage last week, Uh, They were in the city of Philippi, uh, and today they're going to be moving on. Uh, It's going to be about a hundred mile journey, a little less than a hundred miles, on a road called the Via Ignatia. 
Uh, and remember in Philippi, there was not a synagogue there. It was a city uh, where presumably there was no synagogue, because that's where Paul always went first, but it never mentions him going to the synagogue there. But now they're coming to a more major city, it seems. I didn't realize this until I was looking it up this week. The estimated population of the city of Thessalonica at this time is 100,000 people. That's a, that's a big city, right? Uh, and so there's the map. They've made their way from Antioch up through modern-day Turkey into modern-day Greece, stopped at Philippi, and now they're making the trip down to Thessalonica, a little less than 100 miles. So that's where they're at, passed through a couple of towns on the way, and as was their custom, they decided that they would first stop in a synagogue. That might be a place where people's hearts, uh, their, their, the soil uh, was cultivated in such a way that they'd be ready to deposit a seed and hopefully see growth really, really quickly. Okay? So they go to a synagogue uh, of the Jews there in Thessalonica. And they stay, it says, for, well, here's what it says. It, Let's not read too much into it. It says, And Paul went in, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the Scriptures. So, what we're not told is that they only stayed three weeks. More than likely, some indications from, from the books of First and Second Thessalonians, that's actually letters that Paul would later write to the church here, he likely stayed longer than three weeks. But three weeks, three Sabbaths, he was invited into the synagogue to teach. Right? So, so three different Sabbaths, and, and it tells us about what his teaching was like. I want you to notice the verbs here. Okay? Verbs are uh, action words, and you might know a little thing that goes along with that to help you remember it. Right? Verbs, action words, what's happening as he goes in? Well, he's going in, as was his custom, on three Sabbath days. First it says this, he reasoned with them from the Scriptures. Okay? He reasoned with them with them. Literally, that word means, so we've translated it reasoned into the ESV. Maybe your translation uses a different word. Literally, it means to revolve in one's mind, okay? To, to kind of like have it, have it spinning around in your mind. Revolve in one's mind is, is what that word means. It's, it's an intellectual engagement. As Paul meets together with them, he's speaking reasoning with them from the Scriptures. So the content is the Scriptures. And remember that at this point, the Scriptures would have just been the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament, right? And so he's taking the Word of God and he's using that to engage their minds. He's teaching them, reasoning with them from the Scriptures. The next verb that we see there, keep going there in verse 3 now, explaining and proving. So two more verbs. He's reasoning with them, and he is explaining and proving. Explaining is, is kind of the idea of opening up someone's mind, that before they were unable to see these things, and now their minds are being opened to something new. We often refer to it as like the light bulb going on, right? That's what he's doing. Have they, they're in a synagogue, They've opened the Scriptures before, but now as Paul engages their minds with the Scriptures, he is able to explain or to open their minds up to things that have always been there, but they've missed them so far. And he's proving certain things to them. That's the next verb there. He's setting before them, trying to offer them a proof for a certain claim. And what is that claim? 
proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead. This would have been a hard thing for a Jewish person to get their minds around that this coming king, this Messiah, this anointed one who they had been waiting for was supposed to suffer and die and then be raised from the dead. But he reasoned with them from the scriptures. This Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. Now we call this teaching or preaching most frequently. But it's reasoning, explaining, proving, taking the Scriptures and saying something, saying what the Scriptures say about Jesus in order that the people listening might have their minds opened up to see things that have always been there, but maybe they haven't seen quite as clearly. Paul wanted them to know that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus had to suffer. Jesus had to be Dead and buried and be raised from the dead. Now, there's two more verbs I want you to notice. Continue on there in verse 4. And some of them, okay, so not everybody's convinced, but some of them are. Some of them were persuaded and joined. Okay, so two things happened. So Paul is reasoning, Paul is explaining, Paul is proving. Uh, proclaiming is the other verb that he's doing there he mentioned uh, that, that I forgot to mention. So Paul is reasoning, explaining, proving, and proclaiming, and the result is that some of the people are persuaded. Okay, Being persuaded is having your mind changed. They were thinking one way, and their mind was engaged as the Scriptures were taught, and now they think a different way. They were persuaded. Right? And then they joined. Okay? There, there's no, no real understanding in Scripture of somebody uh, believing the gospel and not being a part of the church. So immediately the people uh, who were persuaded now join with Paul and Silas. A church is being established right there in Thessalonica through the reasoning, explaining, and proving of the scriptures. Then, as we've seen often, uh, wait, no, let's, I don't want to skip it. Let's, let's, let's not miss the last part of verse 4. Some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks. So every time, it seems recently, when we've seen uh, people gathered together in a synagogue, you most likely expect they're Jewish. But there's also Greek people who are devout or God-fearing Jews or God-fearing Greeks, right, gathering together with the Jews. Many of them also believe. So now, this new church being established in Thessalonica has not only Jews, but also Greeks. And notice what else he points out. And not a few, or that would say a lot would be another way to say it, right? And not a few of the leading women. This is kind of a a unique thing that, that Luke often does, both in his gospel and in the book of Acts, pointing out the fact that God is often at work among the people that the rest of society is kind of pushed off to the side, right? Including women. And so a number of the leading women, we don't know exactly what kind of, what kind of leading they had been doing, but these leading women are now converted, right? They're persuaded and they join Paul and Silas. 
But as we've seen also in the rest of the book of Acts, when conversions take place and the Holy Spirit is very clearly at work, church is being established, the church is being built up, then there's going to be opposition, right? So let's continue on. Verse 5, it says, but the Jews were jealous. So here's the motivation. The motivation for the opposition is jealousy. But the Jews were jealous. So we saw this in the Gospels. In Romans chapter 11, verse 11, Paul mentions this as a motivation as well. I'm going to turn there really quick because I can't remember. I didn't write in my notes what it said. Romans 11, 11 says this. So I ask, did they stumble in order that they might fall? By no means. Rather, through their trespass, that is the trespass of the Jews, salvation has come to the Gentiles so as to make Israel jealous. Right? So, so, so knowing that this was going to happen, that as, as God's attention now turns to saving many Gentiles, there is kind of a jealousy that comes up amongst the Jews. And in this case, the jealousy leads to opposition. And here's what they do next. Here's their method. How are they going to stop the spread of the gospel? Well, they took some wicked men of the rabble. <laughs> That's an interesting uh, title. Let's go find the wicked men of the rabble. I know where they hang out, right? So they go somewhere in the city where they know they can find the wicked men of the rabble, and they formed a mob, and they set the city in an uproar, attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. So they had some sort of intel that would lead them to believe that Paul and Silas were staying with this man named Jason. So they go to Jason's house. They want to bring him out. Verse 6, and when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city's authorities, okay? Well, we can't find them. We're going to stop it somehow. So they drag Jason and some brothers, and they put them in front of city authorities. And they know that the city authorities this far away from Jerusalem, they don't care about their religion. So they're not going to, they're not going to be able to say, well, here's what they're teaching and here's what we believe. The city authorities are going to be like, well, who cares? But they know how to get these guys in trouble with the city authorities, it's not rebellion against the Jewish religion that's going to get them in trouble. What's going to get them in trouble is rebellion against Caesar. So they drum that up. They kind of take that approach. Uh, and so here's what they say. These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. Remember, in the Roman Empire, they just wanted to kind of keep peace everywhere. And so if they want these guys to get in trouble, they're like, hey, these guys, everywhere they go, man, they're turning the world upside down. And now they're in our city. We better do something about it right? And Jason has received them, and they're all acting against the decrees of Caesar. Okay, now everybody's paying, like, uh-oh, we don't want that. Saying that there is another king, Jesus, right? This is going to get them in trouble, and in fact it does. And the people in the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. And when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go, Okay? So, in this case, not a beating, not an imprisonment, just the dragging them out before the authorities and, all right, give us some money and, and go. Probably with a command to keep your mouth shut from now on, right? Obviously, it doesn't work uh, because the, the church grows there in Thessalonica, right? We're going to get to verses 10 to 15 in a little bit, but I want to pause for a bit of application. 
because I, I noted as I was studying this, again, how many verbs are used to describe what Paul was doing with those people? He was engaging their minds. That would be a way of summarizing all of those things. Not just a proclaiming, not just a preaching, but a, a reasoning, an explaining, a proving. That Paul came there in Thessalonica and in order to spread the gospel there, he reasoned, explained, and proved with the goal of persuading the people, of changing their minds. Some of you, you love that kind of thing. You love like ideas being proposed, arguments being put forward. You love like kind of training and exercising your minds. You like it when, when things are reasoned out or explained or proven. To be honest, that's part of what drew me to pastoral ministry. I love to be able to not just, not just like say something that sounds nice and people like walk away like, that was a nice sermon. Like, I don't want to preach a nice sermon. Don't ever tell me that. Don't tell me. Like, now you're going to today. I know you will. I, like, my goal is not to like entertain you for a time or to tell you cute inspirational stories. I want to engage your minds from the scriptures. Because uh, I have experienced God using the Scriptures and teaching from the Scriptures to engage my mind and to mold me according to God's Word, to, to infiltrate my heart and change the way that I live and change the way that I think about the world. And so that's, that's what I want to do. That's what Paul is doing there in Thessalonica. Going there to reason and teach, explain, prove, taking the Scriptures and making an argument for how this should change the way that we think about everything. Church, I'm convinced that we could do a better job at engaging our minds for the sake of the gospel. I think we could do a better job of this. I, 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 wanna, I want to engage the minds of kids in this church. We've got a lot of kids. They helped lead us in, a, in singing a new song last week. So grateful for all of the kids in this church. And uh, I would, when I was a youth pastor, sometimes get criticized for like, man, that's just, that's too much for them. And I always thought, man, if kids are learning algebra and physics, I'm pretty sure they can handle some systematic theology. In fact, I think it's probably a little more important than algebra and physics, right? And that's why we have our middle school Sunday school class working through a catechism that gets them through some of the most important questions that could be asked and answered. That's why we have our high school students joining with the adults, Free Church 101. We're talking about what we believe, why we believe it. Some pretty deep stuff. That's why we have challenging, uh, as kids go through the Awana program, I can't remember, have we ever added up, Chris, how many verses they memorize? In the t- I mean, if, if they go do Awana from like cubbies through sixth grade, the amount of like, we're engaging, them, they have to think, like that's hard work to do the work of memorization, right? We want to engage the minds of our kids. That's one of the things I'm so grateful for about uh, having Pastor Nick here, uh, someone to kind of help uh, lead us in that direction. Nick's a super smart guy, I don't know if you know that, uh, but he is. Just, and so he loves to have his own mind engaged, and he loves to engage the minds of others, and I love the way he's helping us to engage the minds of our kids. That's why we have also kids joining us in the worship service. I know that as kids are here, there's some things in the songs we're singing, whew, right over their head. There, there's times where I'm preaching something, whew, 
right over, and you don't have to be a kid for that to happen, right? Uh, right? But man, I've seen some of the sermon notes that kids are writing, and I think they're taking in way more than we expect them to be taking in most of the time. We want to engage the minds of the next generation. That's what happens at middle school youth group, high school youth group, an engaging of the mind that minds might be changed. And, and parents, I would encourage you also to make sure you're engaging your kids' minds at home. I know, like, if you're like a normal family with kids and there's been stuff happening all day, uh, the kids have been doing stuff all day, you've been doing stuff all day, you get together at night, you're just like, I got almost nothing left. If we're not the ones engaging the minds of our kids and and trying to help form in them a biblical worldview, they're going to have a worldview. And, and, and so, so it's going to come kind of like either from our teaching and our reasoning and explaining and proving things or from somebody else. Uh, so, so I know you don't feel fully equipped for it, but pray and ask God to give you help, and I think he'll provide. Um, one of the books that we put out there um, that really helps with this idea on that pastor's pick shelves is this book, uh, Family Discipleship. Leading Your Home Through Times, Moments, and Milestones. Super practical, even some stuff like, hey, try this out, uh, write this out, make this kind of plan. Uh, really practical, not super thick. Uh, so if that's something like, hey, I want to I wanna grow in that, uh, maybe that's one you want to pick up. Engaging the minds of our kids. And then adults, let's, let's, uh, let's keep pushing and engaging our minds as well. We need to seek out solid biblical teaching. Most of the time, I'm the one preaching. Sometimes there's other people preaching. Uh, engage in that. My, my intention, like I already mentioned, is to persuade. I want your mind to be changed, right? I don't, I don't want us to just say like, oh, that was some nice information. Now I can win Bible Jeopardy. Like that's not, that's not the goal. We want our minds engaged so that our hearts might be transformed, so listen to preaching, me, other preachers, ask me about, like, man, just like I love listening to preaching, uh, and I want to listen to somebody better than you. Great. I can give you some suggestions, right? Uh, so, so, so find some other preachers to listen to. Not all of them are good. Some of them are not good at all, right? Listen to a good podcast, read some articles from a trusted source, and I would encourage you just with this. One of the reasons we put out that, this sounds like an advertisement today, and it kind of is. One of the reasons we put out that Pastor's Picks bookshelf is because I think uh, we live in a culture where we just like engage our minds with little snippets all the time. We listen to this little snippet, we watch this little snippet, we read this little snippet, and we never like have our minds intentionally engaged in one area for a period of time. Books require us to do that, uh, and we've gotten lazy. And I think we would benefit from engaging our minds in a good book that reasons and explains and proves some things from the scriptures to us more frequently. So, encouragement, adults, read a book. High school students, read a book. Uh, It would be good. God has used books over and over again uh, to shape and mold and form me. Uh, There's some ones that I think you would really benefit from. So, Knowing God is one from J.I. Packer. It's been around for a long time. This is like the something anniversary edition of, of the book. Been around for a long time. Great book. Help you engage your mind to help you desire to know God more book, what is the gospel? If we're going to understand, believe, live out, and proclaim the gospel to other people, we've got to understand what it is. Let's engage our mind. Let's focus on that, not just a one-sentence description, but kind of a, a short, book-long description of it. Uh, this book, Extravagant Grace. Uh, so all sorts of stuff out there that I think would be helpful in engaging our minds uh, 
because we need to do that. Uh, we say we want to be a church molded by God's word. Romans 12.2 says this, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your minds. Right? That's probably, that's the options. Either we're going to be conformed to this world, we're going to just think like everybody else thinks, and that's scary, or we're going to be transformed by the renewal of our minds. Are, are we engaging our minds that they might be renewed and transformed? Paul engaged the minds of the people in Thessalonica. Many were persuaded and they joined them and the church there was established. Like I mentioned, Paul would later write two letters to the church there. We call them First and Second Thessalonians. But there was also enough opposition that it was clear that it was time to move on. So let's see them moving on. Verses 10 through 15. Here the point is this. The Bible is received, examined, and believed in Berea. Okay? received, examined, and believed in Berea. So they sneak out at night, verse 10, the brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea, and when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. So Berea is only about 50 miles from Thessalonica on the road, uh, and there's a synagogue there as well. So they go in there. It says this in verse 11. I love verse 11. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. In what way? They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. So again, I want us to note the verbs, but this time the verbs aren't so much focused on what Paul was doing. Before it was Paul reasoning, explaining, proving, proclaiming. This time the verbs are focused on how the people are receiving the teaching. We're told very little about what Paul is doing here, but we're told here's what's happening with the people. And listen to these things. They're receiving with eagerness. You see that there in verse 11? They received the word with all eagerness. Right? While Paul is there preaching to them and reasoning with them from the scriptures, they're not really thinking about Lunch, uh, I don't think. Like they're receiving the word with eagerness, willingly. Like they, they want this. They're hungry for it. And then it's, then I love what it says next. Examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Isn't that great? Paul preaches, but they're getting together, probably in smaller groups. I don't know if they called them life groups. To examine and investigate, to dig deep into what the Scripture... They're not just like, well, th- thank you, Paul. They're receiving that teaching with eagerness, but then they're in the Word on their own, or probably in smaller groups because not everybody had a copy of the Word, right? Digging into what Scriptures actually say. And then there's one more verb. It's the next verse there, verse 12. Many of them therefore believe. There was a connection. There's a connection between them receiving the word with eagerness, them examining the scriptures on their own, and then many of them therefore believed, right? So they're now believing the word that they had initially received with eagerness and examined daily. And again, he mentions who it is that's receiving this with not a few, or you could say many, Greek women of high standing as well as men. Now again, there's going to be opposition, verses 13 to 15. 
when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea. Also, they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. Then the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way to the sea. He's probably kind of like the lightning rod getting all... So they're like, hey, you need to get out of here. Uh, But they keep Silas and Timothy there for a time. Those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens. And after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they departed. Okay, so so you kind of get the order of things. Paul, you got to get out of here. They take him down to Athens. That's where we're going to pick it up next week. Uh, but Silas and Timothy stayed there in Berea for a time, discipling the believers, and then Paul gets word, hey, I need them here, and so then they leave, and they come to join him in Athens, okay? Um, And we're not told by Luke uh, the specific amount of time that they've spent in each of these places, but I love the response of the Bereans, and so that's kind of our closing application points. Closing application points are these. Are you a Bible person? That's what I see uh, as I see the people in Berea. They're, they're Bible people there. Our church, like I said, over time has kind of gained this reputation as, as, as a Bible church, a Bible people. How do we become Bible people? Well, I think this idea of receiving the word with eagerness is really helpful. What kinds of things do you, think about this, what kinds of things do you receive with eagerness? When I come home in the evening, to the pleasing aroma of some sort of tasty supper, I am ready to receive that with eagerness, right? Like, I am, I am hungry, let's eat, right? As I prepare a sermon each week, my goal is to pray and study the Word of God. I want to rightly understand it, and then I want to clearly and passionately and persuasively communicate the Word of God to people. Do you come? To receive the word with all eagerness. How could our church be transformed if that was like our goal, if that was part of what we prayed and, and how we prepared ourselves on a Sunday morning? Uh, one thing that our kids do pretty much every Saturday night in family worship that I love is they just pray that God would prepare our hearts for worship with our church tomorrow. I love that. That we just, that we would come uh, not just kind of like reading and like, man, the TV's been on all morning and we've just been scanning through our phone. Like, let, let's, let's ask God, or, or, you know, we got up at like 10.08 and we got to be here by 10.15. Like, let's give some time for God to, to prepare and cultivate our hearts that we would be a people ready to receive the word with eagerness. Not because like the guy preaching it is all that like great to listen to. Whatever, it does, maybe I'm not all the time. That's fine. But we want to receive it with eagerness, not because I like that preacher or not, but because it's the very Word of God. That's why we're eager to receive it. Wait, I get to go feast on the Word of God? Somebody's put a bunch of time into kind of putting it together in such a way that it's going to, like, oh, I want that. I need that. Receiving the Word with all eagerness. Turning our phone off, situating yourselves to be fully engaged. My goal is to feed you well, but not in a way that you're like, all right, well, that's good enough for one week. I'll eat again next week. That's not, like, I want to whet your appetite. Like, oh, that was tasty. I want more, right? So then that's the next part. The church in Berea, they not only received the word with eagerness, they examined the scriptures daily. Examining the scriptures daily. You can't trust everything I say. 
right? Like just because I got my microphone turned on now uh, doesn't mean you should believe. Like I'm because I'm standing a few feet above you and on behind a pulpit. That like I don't get everything right. Some of you uh, maybe grew up in the '80s like I did, and you remember the TV show Reading Rainbow. You remember that? The host, LeVar Burton, would explain a book, uh, and he'd kind of like whet your appetite for the book. You remember the phrase he would always use? But don't take my word for it, right? Like, I want you to read this yourself. Like, go out and read a book. Don't just watch a TV show about books, right? Don't just come and listen to a sermon about the book. Like, go read the book. Don't take my word for it, right? So... Do you have a plan for, like, if you don't have a plan for reading the Word, it probably doesn't happen. So, so make a plan for reading the Word. And a lot of times we talk about, like, having one of those Bible reading plans, starting it in January, and then you always get behind and you get, like, hey, it's October. Get started, like a head start for, like, three months now. And then if you get behind, you won't really be behind, okay? Right? So find one of those one year, by, and like, hey, I'm going to pretend it's January 1st right now. I'm going to get going on it. Great. Do something like that. Make a plan. So, so two of the books, here's my, the rest of my advertisement, two of the other books we have out there, uh, a devotional kind of thing. Some of you use that little Our Daily Bread. That's helpful. That's a super little, like, super little short thing, but it has some suggested reading, like read some more in Scripture. Uh, New Morning Mercies is a great, uh, like, kind of daily devotional thing. Uh, we have copies of that out there. That's helpful. And I really, like, I'm excited about this. I haven't read through it all. Um, but, uh, what I've seen is good enough to like, hey, we're going to use this. It's uh, called Praying Through the Bible for Your Kids. It's a one-year Bible reading plan. And then each day, so there's like four passages to read, so you'll get through the Bible in a year. Um, but then from one of the passages, there's some, some, some comments from one of the passages that, that are kind of like turned into a prayer. So how can I pray, pray this passage of Scripture for my kids. Um, so that might be a way to kind of get you into the Word and get you to more frequently pray for your kids. But we want to have a plan for reading the Word. I think it's also good to recognize, well, what prevents us from doing that? Because some of you are like, yeah, I've had a plan before and I didn't do it, right? So, so what prevents us from examining the Word? I don't know what that is for you, but you need to think through that. Maybe it's the fact that you're taking in too many other things, Right? If you think about it again as eating, if you're like constantly snacking, if, you, if you're a parent with kids, you're like, no, you can't have that right now because we're just about to eat dinner. Right? Because if you're constantly snacking on things when mealtime comes around, like the stuff you really need, you're not hungry for it anymore because you've been snacking. Right? So maybe you, like, you snack on social media uh, so much and you snack on so many other things watching the game or the news or another episode or whatever it might be, and you just need to say, i got to cut back on the snacks so I can eat the meal, right? That book that a number of you are reading for uh, the Clay um, Women's Book Club is that book, Wisdom Pyramid. Here's a quote from that. He says this, Do we wake in the morning with the hunger for the sweeter-than-honey daily sustenance of Scripture? full of God-given nutrients that have fed billions of people over thousands of years? Or do we instead go to the vending machines of our smartphones, snacking on whatever addictive candy appeals to our tastes in the moment? Convicting. Church, I want us to be a people molded by God's Word. And if we're going to be molded by God's Word, we need to receive it with eagerness and examine 
the Scriptures daily. Let's do this on our own, in our youth groups, in our life groups, in our families. And then finally this, the goal of this is that we might believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? That's what happens here. Many of them therefore believed, it said in verse 12. Many of them therefore believed. That's the goal. We read so that we might know Christ and then make him known. We read so that in hearing we might believe and call on the name of the Lord and be saved. The memory verse for this week, which I forgot to read during announcements, is this, from 2 Timothy 3, 14-15. But as for you, continue in what you have learned. This is Paul writing to Timothy. Remember, they're on this mission trip together. Later in life, Paul and Timothy are not in the same place. And Paul writes to Timothy and he says this, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. He's had some good teaching. Knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Right? That's, Paul had that confidence even when he was in Berea. I'm going to preach the word. I'm going to examine and, and reason and explain from the scriptures so that the people here might hear the gospel and believe. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not like two verses that you've got to find somewhere in the Bible, right? The, the gospel is weaved all throughout the Bible. And by God's grace, many of us have had our minds opened up to this, well, we're going to sing the song here in a little bit, this wondrous mystery, this thing that was maybe hard to understand, but by God's grace, our minds have been opened up. And we can now see this, this beautiful mystery of Jesus who who is the Christ who was born, who was eternally God, but born of a virgin. That's, that's good news. How is it that he could kind of just be fully human and fully God at the same time? Like Adam, except for without sin. Like a new and better Adam is what we're going to sing. Right? All of these things that, that we see clearly as we open up the Scriptures. Ask God, God, help me. I want to be like the Bereans. I want to have my mind engaged. I want to be persuaded. I want to join with the church. I want to receive the word with eagerness. God, help me to receive it with eagerness. God, help me to have the discipline to examine the scriptures daily that I might continue to believe that Jesus is the Christ who lived and died and rose again. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you establish and build up your church as the Bible is taught, received, examined, and believed. I thank you for how we see that in this passage. And God, my prayer is that really, I guess that kind of like our, like I was telling in the Free Church 101 class, that our little church logo uh, would represent us well. That we would be a church grounded, that the foundation of our church would be the teaching of the apostles and the prophets or the scriptures. That we would be grounded, the foundation of our church would be the very word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ would be at the very center of all that we do. We need your help. It's easy to get distracted, it's easy to do all sorts of other things, but we need your help and we pray that you would give it to us. That as we open up your word, you would help us to see Jesus, to see clearly the wondrous mystery, to believe and to spend our lives and all of eternity worshiping Him. In His name we pray. Amen.